Just give the Lord thanks and say, Lord, we thank you. We bless your name, Lord, for what you will be doing this evening. We thank you. We thank you because you have not gathered your people in vain. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you believe, you give me an amen. Amen. All right, quickly before we um, settle down to do a bit of exhortation and then rise up again to pray, uh, can we just take our declaration of understanding that we do when we want to start studying? Are we ready? Are we ready? Remember, it is what? It's not what? What is a declaration? Something you declare. You understand? So let's declare from the bottom of our hearts as if we expect those words to do something for us. All right? One, two, let's go. Spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing Him in all respects, I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His word. The word is entering my heart, it is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 I said amen. amen. And this word is coming for today. As that word is coming forth, it will enter your heart amen. and heal every disease that may be in your body. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The Lord will reveal himself to you again today by the entrance of these words. Amen. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats. The Lord is good. All God's provisions are where? So if anybody wants provisions, where does he, where does she pay attention to? Scripture. Thank you. The word of God. The word of God. All right. Many years ago, I heard a man teach and he said, every scripture is a molecule of power. What did I say? Yes. It's a molecule of power. Every scripture. Is a molecule of power, and that's a matter of fact. Like I said to us last time, the most important thing to God is that people will trust him. The most important thing to him is to find people whose hearts are perfect towards him, fully his, fully committed to him, fully trusting in him. With God, faithfulness and faith mean the same thing. You are not faithful to God because you go to church regularly. You are not faithful to God because you come on time and you give large offerings. You are not faithful to God just because you preach the gospel to your neighbors. All these things are good. God doesn't count those things as faithfulness in themselves. What is faithfulness to God is that when he says something, it is final to you. When he says something to you, that is what? It's final. That is what faithfulness is. And in the process of that, that is when other things now come into your life. So having interacted with the word of God, witnessing is natural. Do you get my point? When I say witnessing is natural, is this. It is just God giving you the opportunity to testify concerning what you know. I like the way John said it, that which was in the beginning, which our, which our ears heard, our eyes saw, our hands handled. Concerning the word of life, that's what we are declaring to you. It's not what we try to memorize, you understand? It's, there are things that we have personally experienced. You know, when I was, um, of course, all of us are like that. When I was younger, 
We thought evangelism is that you go and cram scriptures. When we are going out for room-to-room evangelism on campus, we memorize scriptures that you used to preach to people. Those things were good. I'm not saying they are bad, but you know, it's training. 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 The real testimony. Just Let me just explain something to you. You may want to ask yourself, how do I share the word of God with somebody? Just tell them exactly what you are doing. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Why are you, everybody's rushing, rushing, rushing. Ha, I heard that um, um, uh, uh, fuel price is about to go up. So I'm digging an underground tank in my house so I can go and buy fuel <laughs> and keep it there. And everybody's rushing. You don't get up. You're not in a hurry. I mean, you're not, you're not bothered. He said, no. Why? God will take care of it. How much fuel can I stop? And I use that fuel as an example. Do you follow? All right. And they say, ah, buy land. Buy land. The price is going up. I said, do I look like I'm going down? You're getting my point. He said, buy, rush, now do this. I said, do I look like I'm going down? Now, you do things like that. And how do you witness? Just explain to people why you are doing what you are doing. God creates the opportunities for witnessing for you each time. I'm just giving that an example. So when you're not worried, people say, why are you not worried? You know, like I told you, I have a class. Um, they put me in my class chat group. And, I'm, and of course, I'm known for being very different on the, a lot of things. Apart from the fact that they call me pastor. You understand? But there are some things that they say, don't go near that. I told you the other day, one of my classmates, you know, we've not seen or heard from the guy in, we left school, we left school 91. So finally they located him somewhere where he's practicing in the UK, and they put him in the class chat group, and everybody was welcoming him. Oh, welcome, you know, how have you been? Stuff like that. So they were now reading the rules of the class group to him. And one of the rules in our class group, because when you get there, really, you find a lot of big people. Chief medical directors, of course, many professors, all kinds of things. They now remind you that, listen, you know, your title is for your office. Oh. In this class, we are still in final year university. <laughs> you understand? They will remind you that no big title. But there are people that join the group. After two days, they will run away. But the time they finish, are busy. You know, the guy is not used to such things. You know, everywhere he goes, is yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. Now he comes back to class, he will say something. Somebody asked me, did you smoke something? And like, what? <laughs> we have two guys like that. One of them, interestingly, if I mention it, many of you are into, you know, following things on social media and news, you will probably know the name. He writes a lot for newspapers, you know, on Facebook, you know, you see him on Twitter, always commenting on national issues. He came to the class, one day he said something. Somebody asked him whether he's thinking upside down. Now that's the problem we have, they will abuse him head to toe like this. You think you're more intelligent than other people. The problem is that you're on drugs and you don't realize it. By the time they finish, the boy, he exited the group. So I talked to him now. He said, no, get used to it. You're not a big man here. These are your classmates, you know? So these are your class, you know? So anyway, just give me the idea of the kind of things that go, that go on inside there. So that guy was putting on the right way. Reading the group and the rules to him that please over here, get used to our jobs and stuff like that. One guy now said, that's where I'm going. He said, by the way, let me warn you. No matter what happens, don't insult the head of state of Nigeria and don't insult the country. Otherwise, pastor is coming to get you. That's where I'm going. So otherwise, pastor is coming to get you. And they will laugh about it. One guy, one of my good, very good friends, there was a joke once. He said, I will have laughed too, but Banky is there. <laughs> because they have the head of state. He said, ah, this is really funny. He said, well, I'm sorry I can't laugh. Banky is watching. 
I have to tell him, Daddy, that no, it's not that bad. It's just a small humor and stuff. Now, again, that's not the main gist I'm telling you. The main gist was that one day I had to, because they calling me APC pastor, because APC is the ruling party in Nigeria currently. One day I now sat down and explained to them, I'm talking about witnessing, opportunity for witnessing. Let's get it clear. This is why I do what I do. I'm not partisan. You understand? The moment our head of state won the election, I owe him a Christian duty. I quoted scriptures, explained and explained very long. So you guys understand. For me, words are not just simple commentaries. They are prophetic. You are speaking into the nation. And some of us have stated a lot of things concerning this. Many of you are commenting from different parts of the world. You are commenting from the UK. You are commenting from the US. We have people are most number, number one, Nigeria, then next, UK, then US. They are all over the place. Uh, so, so I had to explain to them and end up with uh, the explanation that it's my Christian duty I'm performing. Opportunity for, for witnessing. That's why I told that story. If I want this, on, on, I quoted something that was said by, somebody said something, I quoted something that was said by a, 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 a world-famous comedian, not a Christian. So one guy there said, ah, you know this guy, you mentioned the name, I don't want to mention the name now. I said, why won't I know him? He said, this pastor, I'm suspecting your spirituality. That you shouldn't know the things of the world. <laughs> so I now said to him, I am in the world. I'm just not of the world. I don't close my eyes when I walk around. I know what is going on around me. One brother gave me thumbs up. When I said, I am in the world, I'm just not of the world. What I wanted to say, you can be in your class chat group. You don't expect you only be in your in the church church group alone. Are you getting my point? Give you another example. I told my classmates, you don't mock marriage and I will laugh. I don't laugh. Crack jokes about marriage. I don't laugh. I, I, I tell them that why do you like mocking holy things? Why do you like mocking holy things? I told one guy one day, I didn't want to give me, I said, Look, the way you insult Nigeria, I said, go and ask people from Western Nigeria how they describe people that point to their father's house with their left hand. That was a very serious job. If you know anybody that speaks Yoruba, ask him the meaning of that thing I just said. So what I wanted to say here, that God gives us opportunities for witnessing. One day somebody posted a joke, not a joke, sorry, posted a commentary about the problem with African nations. I'm talking about modern-day slavery. And at the end of the day, he said, next time I'll talk about, you know, all these young boys that write things, you know, on, um, you know, they post things on Twitter, on Facebook, on different places. And somebody took that small clip and sent to us, trying to talk about liberation for the African race, you know, for the African nations. Everything he said, or most things he said, very beautiful. Talking about modern-day slavery, that people are still enslaved, but not the way it used to be. No chains, no buying and selling directly, but people are still slaves. He now ended with one thing, that it's another form of slavery. I can't talk about it today. It's called religion. We'll talk about it another time. I listened to the whole thing, of course, this time around, I felt the spirit was upon me to witness. I sat down, analyzed everything he said. The first, I first commented on everything he said. That's very nice, made a lot of sense. But he said religion is a form of slavery. You know, what's that point you are reading? You keep clicking to open. Now you have to click me like twice to finish everything I, I wrote. And analyzed, that's what I did. I analyzed the meaning of spirituality for them. Why Christ is the reason why I'm free. Why Christ is the reason why I refuse to sell my freedom for anything. That I will not sell my freedom for prosperity because I know what it took for Jesus to give it to me. That the man does not know 
what Jesus did. That's why he's telling us religion is slavery. That for goodness sake, the Bible says, whoever the son will set free, will be free indeed. I wrote extensively. That day I told my wife, I'm praying that nobody will pass any comment. And you know what happened? Nobody did. You know what that means? They read it. And they couldn't trivialize it. Because that day I felt under an anointing to witness. I didn't tell anybody to give your life to Christ too. I just said, somebody says religion is a modern way of putting people in slavery. I said, let me tell you about religion. And, I, I, you know, I ended it with one sentence. Christ Jesus is my religion. That's how I ended it. What am I going to explain? That's why you cannot just get up. Um, St. Francis of Assisi did that. You know? They said he took his, he took his uh, disciples, the young men who was training in the ministry, went to the marketplace. And they were following him. Let's move around. So they were waiting for when they would stop and start declaring. They moved around and walked around the market from one shop to the other. At the end of the day, they said, let's go back to the monastery or whatever they came from. So they were surprised. Ah, sir, you said we should come out and preach. He had a lesson for the day. The lesson was that if our lives don't preach the gospel, our words can't. He said if our lives don't preach the gospel, our words can't. And really, that's a challenge for Christians. Make sure your life preaches the gospel. Christianity involves sacrifice. Faith involves sacrifice. Sacrifice is not just when you come to church and give an offering. That can be a form of sacrifice. Now, it is not the sacrifice like a blood, a blood offering. All right? A heart of giving is a sacrifice. Do you get my point? Not the money. It's the heart. Are you getting my point? All right? Bear that in mind. But that's not necessarily what sacrifice is a lot of times. Sacrifice in this context is anything you suffer, denial concerning. I've just borrowed the word uh, suffer. It's not really ideal. Okay, let me say you experience denial because sometimes it's not really suffering. You are the one thinking it's suffering. Something concerning which you experience denial. It might be simple things like the right to complain. Did you hear what I said? A simple thing as simple as what? A right to complain. So, for example, you work in an office, salaries delayed. You're supposed to have been paid by the 28th of the month. This is the 14th of the following month. The money hasn't come. So you get to the office, everybody's sitting down, heads bowed, feeling very angry, refusing to work. You say, what's the problem? Say, they have not yet paid salaries. Have they paid your own? And you start laughing. They say, ah, I'm sure you have money somewhere. All they mean is that you don't need salary or any. You ask them simply. Okay, I don't need the salary, so why am I here working? Are you getting my point? Uh-huh. But they see that you don't complain. Let me tell you the truth. Your heart wants to complain. That day to come to work, you had to borrow money. Last night, you didn't eat the kind of thing you wanted to eat. In fact, you had bought something, you're supposed to pay a particular installment that month. What am I going to say? You, had, you have the right, as much as anybody else, to complain. Not only the right, you have the need. You know, there's a difference between right and need. Have you ever felt like complaining before? Like you need, you need to talk to somebody. You are very angry. There are times you just want to sit down and, like one woman said, join with people in frustrated togetherness. Which is what people do when they want to talk about the country. There's nothing wrong with the country. They are just broke. So they are looking forward to blame it on. 
There's nothing wrong with the, con- with the weather, as an example. Just that yesterday, they were supposed to earn some money. The money didn't come through. They're now wondering why APC couldn't fix the weather. Eh? This rain is too much. APC couldn't supply umbrellas. And APC says, we are not PDP now. We are the broom party, not the umbrella party. Sometimes you feel that need to just vent. We're talking about what? Sacrifice. So you get to that office, and the Holy Spirit says you can't complain. So the Holy Spirit, just small, say no. I won't say too much. I'll just say, God will judge. That's all I want to say. He said, no, you will bless, you will not curse. So you will sit down there, you will plant. Let me borrow this uh, expression. It's not really hypocrisy. It's just discipline. You will plant a fake smile on your face. Do you hear what I say? A fake smile. You don't, you know why they call it fake? You don't feel like smiling. You are sad and as disappointed as everybody else. But faith says you can't complain. Faith says you can't complain. When I was in university once, I remember telling one of my friends that you, you don't have no right to complain about food. That is, they give you a plate of food, you can't complain about anything in it. Why? I said, because you already gave thanks. He said, why not? Why won't I call? If the food is not good, all you want to say? I said, you gave thanks at the beginning. If you want to complain, complain first. And since you cannot complain until you have eaten the food, and you cannot eat the food until you have given thanks, there's no room for complaining. They said that it looked at me like you're, not, you're talking nonsense. Then some weeks later, I was now reading about Smith Wigglesworth. That Smith Wigglesworth, he had a habit, he was known for it. Once he starts eating, if you like put stone inside the food, you won't hear anything from him. So we went to somebody's house once and they served him food and they were maybe like, maybe we're supposed to put, let's say salt, just make it um, simple. And they didn't put enough salt in the food. So the man of the house tasted it. And as he began to eat, he began to apologize. Ah, we are so sorry. The man, he said, we just put up his hand and say, mm, enough. We have given thanks. And he continued eating. He didn't want to hear what the explanation was. He didn't want to hear anything. He said, we have given thanks. I like, I like one thing Ken Higgins said. He said, I, by thanksgiving, you know, he said, by faith, I will put what is lacking in the food. I will put it inside. And by faith, I will remove anything that is poisonous inside. And that's not a joke. So faith denies us. That's the point I'm trying to make. The right to things like complaining. So your salary is leading your office. Please don't complain like everybody else. Don't, you don't need to belong. The Bible says you must never join the multitude to do wrong. If everybody is saying something, the, the, the job they have is curse the president, which they do all the time. Yeah, when the president is gone, you will not remember the good things about him. I've observed this as I was young. They only know the bad things while the guy is in office. You too, you are tempted. Faith says you can't join. Faith says you can't join. Listen, you are battling for your destiny. I'm not joking about that. Your words, very, very important. Whether you will succeed in the environment or you will not succeed in the environment is being determined by these things we are saying. Faith has sacrifices. It will deny you the right to grumble. Deny you the right to whine and complain. So when you start doing things like that, people one day they will come and ask you, what is your problem? Please, don't say there's nothing. No. Tell them the truth. I can't. My faith does not allow me. What faith are you talking about? 
Because many times, what people paint as Christianity is why many people don't believe. I read this article some time ago on number one reason why the children of pastors leave the faith. You know the number one reason? They cannot reconcile their father's pulpit life with his life at home. This is number one reason. Is it the father in church? They see him at home. So to them, religion is a joke. Faith is an act. It's a facade. It's something you just do. So that conflict, see, that is number one reason. You see people brought up in religious homes why they leave the faith. You ask them, I see my parents in church. The way they behave in church, it's not how they behave at home. My father is a devil at home. In church, everybody thinks he's an angel. My father is a pastor. I see him in church. When he's preaching on all the virtues of Christianity, he doesn't have one of them. He lies. He's impatient with people. He does not forgive. He hates the deacons. He's always praying that they will die by fire. Then when he sees them, he will hug them. And you know, children are fantastic. You don't know what they are observing. You think they are small, they can see everything. Talking about how to witness. Just live the life. The life of Christianity inside out. God will give you the opportunity to witness once in a while. You don't have to go and memorize scripture. Just explain yourself. Just explain yourself. Just explain yourself. Are you getting my point? If everybody is laying up treasure for tomorrow, say, ha, hey, everybody is rushing up and down. Hey, if we don't leave this country, I go to another country. What will happen to our children? The children that you are not bothered. When they say, what is wrong with you, Zev? Don't say, ah, you know the kind of person I am. It's not the kind of person you are. It is the commandment the Lord has given you. Say to them clearly, I have this commandment of the Lord not to worry about tomorrow concerning what I will eat, what I will drink, or with what will I clothe myself. Myself, I have realized that God has my future in his hands and he has given me the assignment for today. And because of Christ Jesus, who has reconciled me to God the Father, I'm sure he will take care of tomorrow. For the first few months, they will think maybe you are joking. After a year, everybody will know the kind of person you are. But you can't whine and complain, grumble. You get what I'm saying? Worry like everybody else. They will now say, launch our fellowship. They will, you now bring the microphone and say that uh, you now mention you are the one who pray for us today. That's why the only thing you can pray is die by fire. Listen, that's why some people, that's the only prayer they can pray. Because if you complain morning, afternoon, and night, when they give you the opportunity to pray, it's all your enemies. Because you have to vent on somebody. I've seen many people, they say this, I remember one guy, my wife used to buy things from. The most dishonest, okay, not the most dishonest, okay? It's not the most, there are people worse than him. But it's amongst the top 10% in dishonesty. The kind of person that will tell you good morning, you feel like just wait, you go outside. You check the sun, check the time, call your neighbor, say what's the network time? When three things are verified for you that the time is not here 12 o'clock, you now say, oh, good morning, my brother. Then one day we found out that he was called pastor. I said, yeah, pastor. They say in the market, he's one that preaches during lunch hour fellowship. Pastor. So that guy I met once. Because once you see him, he looks more like you remember Shabarank of those days? That kind of hair? 
So I needed to buy something from him once. I went to his office, asked for him by name. They said, are you looking for a pastor? So I'm like, no, he's not a pastor. He's just a dealer of some sort. He sells this. So I described him. I said, that's pastor now. Ah. No, the hair is not my problem, you know. God has all kinds of children. He has all kinds. Some of them don't have hair like me. Some of hair, some of them, <laughs> their hair is dada. You know, some people with dada hair will still go to heaven. They don't check the, the shape of your hair when you get to the gates. So I was like, eh, that doesn't look like a pastor anyway. I got to tell another person, he said, I saw a funny pastor today. When I described him, he said, huh? Eh? You saw him where? I described the place. In town? I said, yes. The fellow took his phone, called his wife. This was not some person. Remember, him? the wife said, yes. He said, where is he supposed to be? He said, he's supposed to be in London right now as we are speaking. I said, you don't understand. I just left him like 35 minutes ago. He's in no London. Because he, don't, he had put another woman in the family way, not his wife, and told that one he traveled abroad. Promised that one he will marry her. Crazy world, isn't it? That's not the craziness about the world. My wife now went abroad one day, took a taxi. Happened to be a Nigerian. Just, just chatting, just gisting. They said, ah, you're from Nigeria, mother. I said, hey. He said, that's your country. That Nigeria. The guy's a Nigerian. He said, how do you people make pastors in that your country? Because my wife, you know, like, my wife traveled, like, yesterday night. You know, left the country, like, the night before. So, my phone rang, and she was the one on the phone. Ah, okay, how far? How was your uh, trip? He said, fine. Because this was like, what else? It was roaming. That was quite expensive. I'll call it that, but I need to get one information. What's the name of that? Your pastor friend? You know, in quote, not my friend. I'm not friends with people like that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I told her the name. She said, okay, I'll tell you what I'm asking later. She called the phone. Confirmed with that taxi driver that that's the person he was telling her about and that my husband knows the fellow. They didn't know each other before. Somebody just linked her that, okay, when you come to look, this guy operates a taxes. So when she arrived, called the guy, came to pick her from the airport. And what was his complaint? That you, your pastors in that country are very funny. That the guy will come to London, go and start catching women, carrying them to hotel. Meanwhile, I went to his office. He said, oh, you're looking for a pastor. And guess what? He actually pastors a church. A major Pentecostal denomination. If you are wondering why there's Boko Haram, that is why. We want to preach with our mouth, but not with our lives. We want to preach with our mouth, but not with our lives. That is why we can't preach truly. One of our brothers told me a story once. A woman, a foreigner, came to their church, came to their company to work. So one day, I think she went to church or something, or one thing led to it. He started laughing. What is funny, madam? <laughs> the guy preaching. He's a joke. Because she's a foreigner, you know? The guy had been chasing, you know, the man to chase a woman. The guy had been chasing her for a while, and she has refused. And he's a married man. She now went to church and saw him preaching. So he started laughing. <laughs> 
She started laughing. He said, if I, you know, if you see her, oh God, let me not go there. Let me just leave that matter. The Lord is good. Number one way you preach the gospel is how you live your life. It's not what you say with your mouth. One, one man said something on uh, social media. He said, number one way you show your faith is your integrity in handling money. It's not by putting a sticker all over yourself. Believe it or not, I'm a child of God. And like I say humorously, you need that sticker because we can't believe it. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. I, I digress into that, which I do a lot. Trying to explain to us what God is looking for. People who trust him. Hearts that fully trust him. And like I said, I was trying to explain that it's not memorizing the scriptures to go and preach that he's preaching. It's just to express what you really believe. Believe it, leave it, and then God will give you the opportunity to express it. You don't have to memorize scripture to go and preach. In fact, you don't need to. In fact, you don't need any scripture at all. It is upside down, crazy to preach, to quote scripture for an unbeliever. He doesn't believe it. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Reminds me of a, a, a comedy when we were young. A man went and sold somebody else's land and collected the money, went to court. So they now sued him. He started quoting scripture. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. <laughs> you know, the other lawyer was confused. Now listen. It was a Yoruba uh, drama. So you will understand. If I give it to you in Yoruba, all right, I will try and convert it for you. You know why it's really funny. Literally in Yoruba, it goes like this. Where you say the S, in Yoruba, it says the land is the Lord's. The word S there and land is the same thing. So they say you sold a plot of land that doesn't belong to you. He said, the land is the Lord. He was quoting scripture. <laughs> when the judge ruled, he quoted another scripture. Judge not, so you will not be judged. <laughs> That's how it is when you quote scripture for a non-believer. He's not in that kingdom. The laws of the kingdom don't apply to him. I mean, as a young man, I've got into arguments with people, and I want to back my standpoint with scripture. And I remember the acting commanding officer in our barracks when I was doing my NYSE. So when his office were talking about it, he was trying to say something. He asked me one particular question. I gave him an answer. He was impressed with my answer because it had to do with the eye of a needle. All right? I get, he was very impressed that, that some people would talk like this. I, I told him I'd heard that viewpoint, but I hold a different viewpoint. He was impressed. So we kept on talking. So I quoted one scripture. Ah, the man looked at me. He said, no, you can't take that. I said, no, you see, the Bible says, he said, who says to me that he has to accept what I'm telling him the Bible says? So I tried to show, to show him that, you see, all scripture is inspired by God. He said he doesn't think so. That's when I realized that I was on my own. That we didn't have the same reference point. So his argument was not based on the memorization of scripture. It was based on common sense. And my bringing scripture against his common sense didn't tie where it was calculating on base 10. I was on base 8. We can't come to the same figure. That was my first encounter, really, of somebody who looked in my face and told me that the Bible was wrong. He said to me, 
We're in his office. I was an acting commanding officer. He said, no. Why does he have to accept, accept it like that? He disagrees. You know, you look at Oga, Oga soldier. You are strong. You disagree with Paul? How can you, you know, you were brought up in scripture all these years. How can a man disagree with Paul? You won't die. The guy, <laughs> no, he doesn't think so. That who told me the Bible in my hand is accurate? Bros, after that time, I stopped using the Bible to argue with people who are not committed to it, first of all. You don't need scripture to preach to a non-believer. You don't. You need your life. You need your personal experience. It's not scripture. I mean, you want to tell a Muslim that the Bible says, who, which Bible? The one that he was brought up to, to believe that is wrong, you know, by according to his own teaching, the son of promise is Ishmael. Jesus did not die on the cross. It only appeared to, to deceive his enemies. And they believe that the New Testament, the genuine, that the New Testament in your hand is a fake document, and the Old Testament in your hand is corrupt. That is why Isaac is the son of promise. When it should be Ishmael. How do you use your Bible to explain to such a person any point at all? So to preach to somebody who is not committed to scripture, you don't need to quote it at all. You preach your own life. You preach your personal understanding. You offer the fellow hope. The only thing you can preach, let me just add this one to it. The only thing you can preach is Christ. Which you're not quoting scripture, no, you're giving him personal experience. Christ and him crucified. That all of us are due for judgment. And listen to me, you can't persuade anybody. Leave that to the Holy Spirit. Just bear your witness and leave it there. If he is if he's witnessing to unbelievers, if you are sharing with Christians, it's different. For somebody who doesn't believe yet, just encourage the person with your own words, not with the Bible. Of course, your words are derived from Scripture. Are you getting my point? Yeah, they are words of faith. They are words of faith. They are words of faith. Just It must come from your heart. God will continually open the opportunity for you to witness to people. That's the point I'm going to make. Take hold of that opportunity. You find in Scripture like that. Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar was in confusion. Daniel solved it. And he said to Nebuchadnezzar simply, there is a God in heaven that reveals secrets. Daniel, how did you get to know this? My conjurers, my Chaldeans, my magicians, I called all of them. They couldn't do anything. Daniel says, <laughs> of course, Daniel gave him, look, you were dreaming. You saw this. You saw this statue. You had the head of gold, all of down to the feet of um, clay and stuff mixed with iron. How did you get to know that? He said, there's a God in heaven that reveals secrets. That's the testimony I'm talking, telling you about. There's a God in heaven who reveals secrets. Same thing with Joseph. Ah, This one, <laughs> sir, the interpretation is simple. How come you know it? Oh, there's a God in heaven who reveals secrets. You see, you see what, 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 they didn't come, he didn't come to the palace to come and preach to Pharaoh. He came to the palace to come and what? Interpret a dream. Same thing with Nebuchadnezzar. He went to the palace of Nebuchadnezzar to come to interpret a dream. But he had to give credit to whom credit was due. I hope you are getting my point. If in the course of your work, 
Sometimes God will give that opportunity to you also. You will solve a difficult problem. Don't just think, somebody say, how did you manage? You say, I'm too much. How did you manage? I'm too much. You know, when I was in school, I was the best in our class. God will make you door for seven seasons. You know Nebuchadnezzar? Is this not Babylon the Great, which I built by myself with the strength of my might, for the glory of my majesty? Seven seasons. If you, if you don't take it to heart to give glory to his name, you know what he said he would do? He will pour dung on your face. He will curse your blessing. So something happens in the office. And of course, we're not saying you should tell lies, so you should pray. God will help you solve problems. Yes, he will help you solve problems. You know one of the things we must understand? God solves problems. You know one thing I found out recently? I don't know why you know it. You know the Lord knows mathematics. Actually, I've known it for a long time. Do you know he knows mathematics? Do you know, he know, do you know he knows physics? The most difficult chemistry problems, he understands how to unravel them. Are you aware of that? We, we, no, we all used to economics. No God knows, we all know God knows economics. Do you know why? It's in the Bible. Uh, Joseph, seven years of abundance, seven years of famine. That is classic economics. God knows how to handle that. So we know that one. We know that God knows about the stars. Had David even knew about the stars, how much more God? But the, some, some we don't know he understands is advanced mathematics, calculus. If you are doing your math, an angel comes, can I help you say, angel, sit down. This is maths, advanced maths. This no be geography. This is no astronomy. I know you guys know how to whiz from one star to the other. We are talking, <laughs> what do you call it, quantum mechanics here. Lead that in. You are the one that don't know what you are doing. You know, God knows quantum mechanics. You know that? No, if you know, you say amen. amen. He actually knows quantum mechanics. He knows all the theories of relativity of Albert Einstein. The general, the special, he knows all of them. And like Sadhu Savarai said once, he had a vision of the Lord, that the Lord told him where Albert Einstein got it wrong. That he showed him things that he said that were correct. And he explained to him that in this particular one, he was wrong. What am I saying of this six? Get on your knees and pray when you have a problem. No matter how far removed from church, the problem appears like. Now many of us know how to pray about sickness and money. When it gets to office work, especially when it is like school work. Pastor A. Adeboye told the, the, the testimony. I've heard it from him several times, and many of you may have heard it. When he was in his PhD, I think it was PhD. Yes, you know, he's a mathematician, or he was a mathematician, now he's a pastor. So, he was in his PhD, he had a, lo- a long list of uh, equations to solve, and he got confused. So, he prayed. And I don't know whether it's a vision or in his heart, he just, heard, he just remembered Moses, how Moses parted the Red Sea. And the rest is went this way and that way. He just knew that the Lord was saying, take the equation in two groups. Separate them this way. He did. When he did, he solved something that has been giving me a headache for a long time. God knows molecular biology. What am I going to say? Pray about all your problems. Pray about them. No matter how trivial. If ants are disturbing you in the house, Pray. You know, Enugu has ants. Have you noticed? Yes. 
in our former house, when we were living before, there was a time I told my wife that I've counted five species of ants, and I could show them. In fact, you know, I can describe them. There's a regular sugar ant. Then we had this tiny one that had a black head, and um, you know, brown, but you know, or the other way around. Tiny, hard to kill. If you knock it, you shake your head and walk away. <laughs> we had these tiny, fine black, completely black ones, and they crawl out from everywhere. You wonder what is going on in Enugu. I never saw that number of ants. Listen, if you are studying biology or zoology, please come and do taxonomy for ants in Enugu. You will get your PhD. They are laughing. I'm not kidding. I've never seen that number. They come from everywhere, every corner. Oh, God, my wife hates them. I used to tell ants, my wife is coming. <laughs> it's, it sounds funny. I'm making a joke. Actually, those, you know, those uh, sugar ants, I don't kill them at all. I just feel like they are big. They look like little dogs to me. You know, like, hey, why kill the dog? You know, that kind of thing. My wife finds one sugar ant. It will so die, it can't get up the resurrection. According to Pastor Yadimu. <laughs> now, pray about ants. No kidding. One brother gave us a testimony here some time ago. I think he sent it as an email. He said one day I was preaching here, and we're just, you know, I said some things. I can't remember, it had to do with housing. That God solves house, house problems and all of that. Pray about everything. So during declaration, he was declaring that, he said, I think I said it or he prayed about it, that even roofs will be repaired. He said, was in his house. And then one day he realized that, wait, oh, my roof has not leaked in a long time. The thing had given him problems, and the roof stopped leaking. Whether the landlord sent somebody to fix it at night, or while he was away from home, he doesn't know. All he knows is that one day, the roof stopped leaking. That's why he sent the testimony. Pray about everything. Every, everything. You want to write an exam, pray about it. Sincerely pray about it. I've given my testimony as a university. <laughs> I had a subject I did not like at all. I prayed about it. And the Lord said, well, I didn't know how, of course, later on, you know, I said the Lord said, that time I didn't say so. But I just knew, first thing came to my mind, stop saying biochemistry is volatile. Number two, start reading it. A few weeks to our exam. Maybe even a few days. I went to class, sat down, my friend, as soon as I sat down beside him, he said, biochemistry is volatile. And I knew he was a tempter, sent to tempt me. Get behind me, Satan. As soon as he said it, I answered him. Three times I said to him, biochemistry is not volatile. The third time he said, like, oh boy, did we fight? He just said, uh-uh. He didn't know what, he, he didn't know I was satanizing his presence. I said, this is Satan. I just came from prayer. I, I, I don't know what my point. I didn't pray yesterday. I just finished praying. I came to class to obey God. You now tell me, has God really said, thou shalt not. Do you follow my point? The day of the exam, like Daniel, it was revealed in a dream to me. Well, not really a dream. That was not a dream. That one was just spontaneous. I was reading. Oh, have you read this? Oh, I haven't. I quickly read it. Have you read it? No, I haven't read it. I quickly read it. I read three subjects like that. I went into class. Exam came out. There were eight questions I could choose five from. And those three I just read were there. One, two, three. I can't remember the number. I still remember the, sub, the questions till today. Till today, I remember the questions. That was 1988. I remember the questions because it was dramatic. 
How many questions was I supposed to answer? I was to answer five questions. The night before, I read only one thing. That one was also there. And I still remember when they gave kill today. And the way God even did that one for me, that was interesting because I was leaving class. We did the exam Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. This subject was on Wednesday, so this was Tuesday evening. I came to class, I said, ah, wait, I've not slept well, I think I should go and sleep. I just got up to leave. So I left the class, I was walking out. Someone in my class was sitting towards the back of the hall. Yeah, what are you reading? I just saw the thing. As soon as I saw what he was reading, I realized I had forgotten totally about it. The day the lecturer taught us that stuff, he gave us a handout. We made photocopies of it. And I put my own inside the textbook and forgot. As I saw his own, I said, what? I never remembered this thing up till now. Can I borrow yours? He said, yes, he was done with it. So I just sat beside him, sat for like another 20 minutes, and studied that stuff, studied it. He had a lot of diagrams. I went through it. They gave it back to him. I went to the hostel to sleep. That was the fourth question. Out of five, I had four. Hot, fresh, bubbling, you know, spilling over. It was coming from my ear. You had to be pushing it back inside. <laughs> you know, the paper was three hours. Two hours, 15 minutes, I was done. So I made up my mind, something's wrong. There is no possible, something's wrong. So I started again. But I didn't, I didn't take another paper. I started solving it. I went line by line. Went. I checked that thing for another 15 minutes. Everything looked okay. So I just got up, submitted my paper, and left. That was how I passed that exam. God answers prayers. In my final year in university, I remember also. This is COVID they are doing now. That one was student riot. They drove all of us away from school. They didn't care whether you're medical students or not. They said, leave the hostel. So we left. They now said, but the dean of our faculty said, these interruptions, we can't afford it. Lectures, clinical postings go on like nothing's happening. I don't have where to live. So our guys were fixing, our, we were just fixing ourselves everywhere we could find all over around the, you know, the school area, the hospital area. I couldn't find a comfortable place. I tried. No, I wasn't lazy. I tried. One day when suffering, one killed me. I packed my bag and went home. When they reopened the hostels, I came back. Remember, our clinical postings and our lectures did not stop. I just went home. I was tired. The suffering was too much. I remember one day, there was some guy I was staying with briefly. I got to sleep. He wasn't around. It was, it was you know, those kind of rains that you wonder whether the people of this earth are wicked, exceedingly, you know, wicked. And God has decided to talk to Noah. You are wondering, bro, Noah, where is the ark? You didn't tell us so. The rain fell. And it's not like Enugu rain. When it rains in Benin, it's not like Enugu. If it rains in Enugu, you'll be walking. The rain knowing level. You know your level. Water goes to the canals, the gutters in Benin. Moto, water, human beings, we use the same channel. <laughs> when it rains, all of us are on the road. That was how I was walking around with my shoes. That, that was the day I made up my mind. I'm going home. That's how I went home. For weeks, when they reopened the hostels, I came back to school. Except that our exam, of course, I had missed the majority of our posting in, what we call senior posting in surgery. I came back, did the little I could. 
to make it was my friend and I, we, used to, we had one funny bad habit. There was a unit we were in. We didn't like the senior registrar. You know why we didn't like him? We used to see him in a female hostel. So we made up our minds, he's not a serious person. How can he be teaching us? You know, you go to a female hostel, you see him always walking out or walking in. Oh boy, are you not supposed to be a doctor in the hospital treating sick people? So when we came for a posting, they put us in the unit where he was a senior registrar. They have consultants, all right, next to the, the consultants are our lecturers. So next to them are these people who are the most senior resident doctors. So we just go there. Me and my friend will look at him and say, when he's teaching, you'll be looking at him like, nonsense. Is, is, is it the girls that taught you that one? <laughs> the guy is, you're just looking at him. You know, disdain, you know what they call disdain? So we just get there. My friend will be on one end. I look at him like this. The guy will do like this and then. So there's a way it is. We are moving from one bed to another. It's a teaching round. So as they are moving, once the bed is the next, you have to go down the corridor a bit. As they turn, we just keep walking. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't know we were doing ourselves. <laughs> All of this was before they closed the school. So by the time they closed the school, and then I reopened the hostel, so and I came back. We had lost time. The one we were even in school were not paying attention. So, you know, he just assumed that uh, the dean cannot do like that now. He will understand. For where? The dean made up his mind that, lie, lie, I'm not understanding anything. Your exam, he didn't shift it one bit. Man. Now this guy began prayer. I will sit down like this, you want to read. Then the burden of prayer will come upon you because. <laughs> so, we were doing two subjects medicine at that point and surgery. So, medicine, I didn't have a problem. Surgery was when I had the issue. So, one night, and I now left. I went to the top of one of the hostels, the top of the stairs. It was clear night. So, I just stood there. I said, Lord, please, we need to talk. Things are bad. No, really, I, I, I pray you, you know, God help me long ago. I don't know how to pray this. No, you know, you never jam. You know, when you are still doing like that, you don't have a problem. <laughs> you don't have a problem. When you have a problem, you can't even pray. David said, when my heart is overwhelmed, you get to a point, all you can do is, <clears throat> Father, <clears throat> anything. Everything. <clears throat> what can I do for you? Help me. Biko. Joe, just help me. You don't even know what to ask him to do. I remember very well that day I got there. Our clinical exam was next day. We had done the written work. That was where I knew, saying, man, things are bad. So I just, I stood there and said, Lord, please help me. Ah, I don't want to face this exam. Please help me. I said, Lord, I want to ask you for two things. So I mentioned the name of one professor. I said, can I just beg you? I don't want to meet him in the exam. Because it's a, it's a clinical exam. You talk to examiners, you know, face to face. I said, he's a very tough man. I don't want to meet him in the exam. So as soon as I finished saying that, a thought dropped in my mind. You don't want to meet that man or you want to pass. I said, okay, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm so, so sorry. I'm so sorry. I want to pass. Him or not him? Let me just pass. I said, okay. I'm just saying now that the Lord said, okay. I didn't hear any okay. That was settled. 
There, and I said, okay, I'm, it's another thing. We had this theory as students that the simpler the disease, the more deadly it is for you in exam. Why? That the lecturers will not excuse you for not knowing things as simple as some of those disorders. And the one we, our classmates have been talking about was hernias. The hernias are so common, they are so simple, that in an exam you don't make a mistake. So that it's better they give you one exoteric thing, cancer of the lung, cancer of the pancreas, some things that you don't know, that they will excuse you if you just know how to approach it with a basic you know, approach, you know? So for that, I said, God, please, can I ask you for another thing? I said, you know that hernia is very deadly. Please, Lord, I don't want to get a case of a hernia, please. So that the exam will go smoothly. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Before I left, something just like the first one, dropped in my mind again. You don't want to get a case of hernia or you want to pass the exam. I said, Lord, I'm very, very sorry. I'm very, very sorry. Hernia or no hernia? Oh, pass. I just want to pass the exam. Again, I look back and he said, okay. Next day, we went for clinical exams. I'm making the story short. It's really much longer than this. <laughs> yeah, really, really much longer than this. So there was one lecturer that came from Calabar. The Jesus was among students. That man is very nice. He's like a father. Ah! So they give you 45 minutes with your patients. Then you now stand on your time. So they now come and meet you there. You have a small cubicle screened of you and the patient. So the man arrived. No, so the man was in the next one. So I saw he was the one taking our, our hospital. The ward is very well designed, you know. So just one bay. The bay will have like six beds. All of them screened off with nice, real, beautiful screens. So it was in that bay, going from one bed to the other. So in my mind, I said, God, thank you. You were there yesterday. <laughs> you answered me. So as soon as he finished with, if I was examining one of my classmates, and I was so angry with that boy, all the questions were asking the boy, me, I knew the answer. He, why can't you just come over here? <laughs> just ask those questions. So as soon as he finished with that guy, I was so happy. I was rejoicing in the Lord. As he headed forward to my bed, one of the chaperones just blocked him and said, Tea break, sir. Yeah. <laughs> he said, now it's time for tea, sir. It's time to go and take your tea. It was an excellent examiner. So, oh, thank you very much. And I washed as my deliverer <laughs> walked away. Tea break was like 15 to 20 minutes. So I was okay, he will soon come back. He will soon come back. Then they began to come back. And guess what I saw? The man of yesterday that I asked the Lord I don't want to meet. Oh, I forgot the first part. The moment I saw the patient. Hello, sir. My name is so and so and so. I'm a medical student. Please, I need your cooperation for a few minutes. I'm taking my exams. I would just appreciate if you just be cooperative. Now, please, what brought you to the hospital? Hernia. <laughs> I like, God, I thought we had a discussion. <laughs> So I did everything, asked all the questions, did all the examinations, and even reminded me that there's something the other student that came did do. You haven't done that one, no. I asked, what was it? He told me, ah! I said, thank you very much, sir. Thank you very much. I did the examination, wrote everything down. That was before my deliverer walked away, you know? Remember that part? Then, so, first thing I said I didn't want, I got. Then the examiner I said I didn't want just showed up. As soon as I saw him, I knew God answered my prayers. Not as if I was excited, but you know, the coincidence was too much. The coincidence was too much. It couldn't have been. The two things I brought to prayer the previous day that I said I don't want, and the Spirit said to me, Is it that you don't want or you want to pass? And I said, well, I really want to pass. God in heaven delivered both of them to me next day to let me, him, me know that he's the one that's doing his work. 
As soon as the man sat down, I looked at him. And I began to remember David and Goliath. <laughs> I remember Daniel Elias then. And he sat down there and said nothing. There were two. A, a senior person and a junior examiner. He was a more senior person. So the junior one picked up the matter. Asked this question, I will answer. Asked, by the time we finished, I said, I should examine the patient. I did. I made one small error. He corrected it. And he whispered to the senior man. They did some whispering. They brought out the paper. So I was about to leave. He said, no, don't go yet. Ah. So I have a very simple question for you. So I, I said in my heart, Father, he said it is simple. Thou art ensnared by the words of your mouth. He said it is simple. I remember quoting that scripture. So he, he asked me one particular question. As soon as he asked the question, I knew the answer, but I decided to leave the... I was going to give him three answers, and I left the most important one to the last. As soon as I gave the first one, he said, mm-hmm. Gave the second one, he said, mm-hmm. I, knew, I, don't know, I just knew what he was waiting for. As I dropped that one, he said, good boy, that's my boy. That's my boy. <laughs> I remember as I was leaving, one of our sisters was down the corridor. I was shaking my head like this. You know, it was so, I, I don't know how to describe it. So he said, she said, Panky, how did it go? I was shaking my head. I didn't know what to tell her. That God indeed answers prayers. Yesterday I had a discussion with the Lord. Next day he, that is, he made sure I would never forget he's the one that answered that, question, uh, that prayer. What am I talking about? Learn to pray. Learn to take every matter to God in prayer. Your engine is giving problems. Open the bonnet and say, Lord, this engine can't knock now unless you are bringing money. Pray over it. There are different ways God answers prayers. Sometimes it just draws a dramatic miracle. That noise we're hearing from the engine, next day it stops. And you'll never be able to explain what happened. Another one he does is that you will take to the mechanic and you will take this crazy one, you make him go on, go on lunch break. The one that will have ruined your car for you. And you will bring the one that he has anointed for the day. Do you know God anoints workmen? If you ever had to hire workmen, pray for the anointed one. One that God will endow with skill for the day. He does that. What you just do, you just know the man will just come. It can even be a small boy. Yes, ah, okay. This thing has so and so and so thing, no. Are you serious? Yes, now. Ah, we changed one like this last week. The nice thing, you know the truth? He may not even be sure. He's just anointed. I don't know whether I get my point. And one thing I know for sure, this one I want to say, many people don't understand this, but it's a revelation I have. I understand it well. Sometimes that was not the problem. After you prayed, God changed the past. The past is very easy for him to change, especially when there's no unbelief to be clouded. Originally, the problem was not what that boy is thinking. The real problem will have, had, will have cost you to buy a new engine, which you don't have the money for. But because you prayed, then God took you to that young man. He looked at it, and the angels rearranged the engine block, rearranged everything. They, in the I know what I'm telling you. In the past, change the problem to one little bearing hidden in one or two places. The guy said, no, 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 that. 
They said this in the camp. I get both of them for you for 3,005. Okay, you give me 4,000 naira for my work. You price, okay, okay, bring two five. You give the boy 6,000 naira. You leave there in the morning. By afternoon, he calls you, come and pick your car. You start the car, zoom, the car sounds new. It's not him. It's God that changed the problem. He rewound the times, changed the problem, made it something simple that somebody can easily fix. He gave it to the individual. He fixed it. That is why you must never forget to give God thanks. It's not the boy. Pray about everything. Pray about everything. Pray about everything. Don't let somebody come and deceive you say, eh, I see death around you. Well, if you want to believe, not a problem. But how do you solve it? Let me talk about that. Get on your knees. Say, Lord, they said they see death around me. Please drive it away. I have work to do. Why do you think it has to be more than that? I'm sorry, I have to go there. Don't, God doesn't need your seed to drive away death. I saw one man say, mm, I see death around you. In the name of Jesus, I break. Go. Now you go and carry the money for your funeral. Put in the offering basket. Yes, it's a lie. That it. The guy did it too, was so angry. The guy walked away. Daiko, I'm not dying. I'm not giving the offering. Leave him. He says, you go and calculate how much it have cost his family to bury him. May bring out for offering basket. Listen to me. If you hear that, okay, don't let me say 100%. 99.9999% of the time is a lie. What did I call it? It's a lie. Then I say, Oga, if to say I die, I told my family, they don't get money before now. Islamic better they be one do. So I ask her, how much is one long piece of white cloth? Put down for basket, eh, offering basket. I'm gonna my offering, now better money with that. Two five. <laughs> Two five. <laughs> There's no need. God doesn't deliver people because of offerings. If He wants to deliver, He will deliver. If He not want to deliver, He not go deliver. If He wants to deliver, you get on your knees and pray. And say, Lord, please deliver me. Please deliver me. This one carrying money to church for deliverance is the reason why you will die early. Forget this nonsense. You know, God finds it insulting. It's an insult to him. He finds it. I'm not kidding about that. The thing insults him. I want deliverance. Family will not gather money. Deliverance money. Because where are they selling it? Jesus died on the cross. You are not yet delivered. And you think your money is what I need to deliver you? If you want deliverance for you, for yourself, that is for yourself, for your spouse, for your children, for a loved one, get on your knees sincerely. Personally, I just find this one, it's been my good experience with things like that. Wake up early. Wake up early. If it's something that you have time. If you don't have time, do it immediately. Wake up early. When everybody, for me, that's just my own thing. 4 a.m. I found very, very ideal. I don't know why. For, for, it may be because my mind is quiet. The environment is quiet. Just go straight to the point. Listen. There's no need for, we have come again. We have come again. Father, we have come again. Holy Ghost, come and take control. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Only you. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, God is sleeping. Wake him up with praise. So that one, we have entered the court, have we? Yes. We have entered the gates. Let's not enter the court with praise. Then we enter the inner sanctuary with worship. I just want to be where you are. You know, I, I just imagine the Lord doing like this. 
He knows why you have come. <laughs> you did all this while, oh, the praise, the praise. Let me tell you the truth. It's not necessary. Those methods of prayer is not necessary. If you get on your knees and just say, my father, you are my helper. That's all he wants to hear. My father, you are my helper. I need help. That's all. That's pr- you think praise is, a, is to wind God? No. Praise is a declaration of your dependence upon him and your recognition of the fact that he's the only person that can help. Lord, this is the issue. This is what I'm asking you for. Solve this problem for me. And I, Practical advice. Try and narrow on the problem. Stop asking for money. I don't know what I get my point. What I mean is this. Somebody is sick. Doctor says bring money for surgery. Is it money you need or healing? No, answer. Present the problem, Gongo. It's not Lord. What we now need is 400,000. I said I can do the surgery in the next three days. Because sometimes, God will go, get good there. He solves problems different ways. He gets there. The doctor that said, bring 400,000 there. Because, and he's not trying to overcharge you. That's, surgeries are expensive. So, that one is not around. That day, another doctor comes. I said, what is the matter again? He looks and looks and says, ah, okay. Just look, look, no, no, no. This one, we don't think we need surgery. I can, let, let's, I'll give this medicine for the next five days. Let me see how it improves. If it improves this, this way in five days, then we'll change it after one month. You'll be fine. It, what I'm telling you really happened to somebody I know. Something similar to that. It happens. I know the profession very well. Experience differs. Again, sometimes because you pray, God just changes the situation. Brings a new, it just unwinds it into one that you can easily handle and everybody can easily handle. This one, what happened was, it's one of my um, junior doctors. His brother had, and he's one taking care of him. He had kidney stones, giving the boy serious problems. So they went to see a doctor. The guy looked at it, Kai, this stone, I need to remove it. I was going to cost him a lot of money. Hi. He got concerned. He's a doctor. He's a doctor. He knows what he has. He knows the person's not lying to him. But just let him just ask somebody else. That one looked at all the investigation, looked at the films, looked at the scan, everything. He said, this one, I can dissolve it with water. Say, tell your brother I need him to drink water. You put him on a prescription of water. Say, he needs to drink this number of liters of water every day. The stone disappeared in one month. Vanished entirely. As in one month or six weeks. You also the guy, this is the amount of water I need you to drink. The first person was not lying. This person too, he, but he just had more experience. He just looked at it and said, say this one, we can do it with water. The other man knew water works. But just thought this was too big. And that the man will suffer too much. This other man just had more experience saying, no. And the pain will be bad for a few weeks. He's been handling it for the last few weeks, right? He won't die. Don't worry. Just pain. Everybody knows. It's no pain. <laughs> so the guy, he used all kinds. He put everything inside water to make sure he drank it. And after a few weeks, <laughs> and for your information, what we call prognosis, long-term effect, the water one is far better than if they use a knife. Sometimes it's not money God supplies. You know, when I was going to get married that time, during our wedding, I needed money. Plenty of it. Plenty. Then a friend of mine was one God sent to me. 
said, oh boy, if you don't have one, you don't have. I said, it's true. So I told my father-in-law, I don't have. I'm not kidding, no. I will never talk about it. He didn't ask me for money. He just said, you know, all this, do this, do this, do this. I just told him simply. He's very nice. I'm financially exhausted. <laughs> Some of you say, eh? No, the best way they are alive, go marry you again. <laughs> you think he thought, he thought any less of me because of that? No. Nothing. No. Because when he was my age, he was proud than me, so what's the big deal? And, and God blessed him. Blessed him. Blessed him over time. With all the responsibilities he and his wife had, God blessed them over time. So it didn't. So you are praying for money. God said, I'm not going to give you money. I am going to give you wisdom. Sometimes he gives you wisdom to let you know you don't need what you are looking for. Take every matter to God in prayer. That's what I'm saying. Take every... No ma- Listen, no matter how difficult it is, if they say it's an incurable disease, I've told you, Stop this, you are, you are, I want to sow a seed so that it's the reason why no, God has not answered you. He wants you to be tired of seed sowing. I know, I, I know many preachers don't like what I'm saying, but it's the truth. You know why? I will tell you the truth. You know why? It's the word of God. You have you, one day you will be tired. You all lie and say, God, I can't even praise you again. Because they say, praise God, the head goes where it goes bless. You don't praise tire. You don't sow seed. You all lie and say, God, if you don't help me, I'm finished. I will die. Say, God, Biko, help me. Like one woman said, God, you know if it was you that needed help, you know I will help you too. <laughs> True story. <laughs> I can just imagine God laughing. No people come to time and say that before God, read your whole New Testament. That's all the encounters of Jesus with people who needed help. You know, they ever used to tell them, do you believe I can do this? That's all. Say, if I can do anything, what do you mean? It's if you can believe. Two more men like that. That one said, I believe. Help my own belief. Say, what do you want me to do for you? They told him. He said, you go to the pool of Siloam and go and wash. After making clay with spit, putting on the fellow's eyes. Born without eyes. Like a pastor came to let us to pray earlier. That ah, we've heard of all these stories, Lord. Do them again in our day. I know what God is saying. He's answering the prayer. He said, if only you can believe. Believing doesn't mean that, ah, I agree, I agree, I agree. No. It just means that turn to God and realize that only in him is help. Come rest to our feet. Apart from those of you on this line, please. Because of those who are streaming. Please, I want to give you a minute. Just take that burden to the Lord in prayer. You have a burden in your heart. There's something. It can be a financial problem. It can be confusion. It can be marriage decision. You don't know, should I marry this man? Shouldn't I, should I not marry him? You know, there are times you just know that, ha, ah, my life, I need to make a decision. I don't want to miss what God is doing, and I don't want to do that which is wrong. There's a job you're supposed to take Taking it means you leave this one. And you don't know what it will entail. Oh, am I called to ministry or I'm not called to ministry? I'm sick. 
Doctor think it might be cancer. The breast lump was removed last week. I'm waiting for the report. Why don't you take it to God in prayer? Just, God can change the report. Too. God can change the report. I don't want to be boring you with stories now. God can change the report. I, I know God changes the past. People say he doesn't. But he does. He does. The doctor has written something. And it is cancer. But you prayed and begged him. Then the doctor goes back again. looks at the slide. Look at it. I say, ah, wait. Oh. Did I say this was cancer? Then he would change it. God actually changed it. He'll give you a different report. He won't even know. I wanted to just take a moment and just talk to the Lord. Just talk, say, Lord, help me. You are my help. There's nowhere else that we go to. I like the way Nathanabasi sang that song for us. He said, I have no other one but you. I have no other God but you. I have no other help but you. You are the one that, you have no other help. One of the things I hate most in life is being trapped in a place where there's no way out. But now I've recognized that with God, there's always a way out. Jesus said, I'm the way. I am the way. I am the way. He's the way. He's the way. Today, hold him and say, Lord, you're not going until you have helped me. You're not going until you have blessed me. I am not going anywhere else. There are times you make up your mind, I'm deleting every important person's phone number I have so that I will stop calling people or stop thinking they should help. I have no other God but you. Take a minute. I wanted to, just the thing that has been burdening you, it's been a burden on your heart. It's been a burden on your heart. You, know, you wake up at night. That's how you know something's a burden on your heart. You wake up at night, it's the first thing you think about. Cast that burden on the Lord now. Cast it, cast it upon him. Like as if it is sickness, go home this night and lie down there and say, Lord, this is where it is. They think it's a cancer, put your hand and say, Lord, this is where it is. It can heal you without any doctor doing anything, without any pastor laying hands on you. Just lie there and say, Lord, help me. My back has been aching, Lord, help me. Sometimes I will tell you, oh, change this bit of your life. There are times you will point to a particular food, stop eating this. He solves problems different ways. Sometimes you don't see, you know, you don't see the breeze, you don't see the sun, or you don't see here the wind. Here the valley will be full of water. You just wake up one day, you are fine. You just wake up one day and you are fine. Sometimes you don't even realize it until three weeks later. You say, wait, I've been fine for the last three weeks. I've been fine for the last three weeks. What happened? I've been fine for the last three weeks. Take a minute now, wherever you are, wherever you are joining us from, whether you are mixed or you are streaming from somewhere, just get to your knees and pray. I'm not the one praying for you now. Jesus said the Father himself loves you. Sometimes there are people that the reason why God has not solved their problems is that they've been going from one church to another, one prayer house to another. God said, you have not really ever come to me. You have never really come to me. He said today, just go to him. No pastor, no prophet. No evangelist, no seed, nothing. Jesus said the Father himself loves you. One of our brothers told me a story long ago. He, he lives abroad. He wanted his mother to come and visit. She had tried and tried and tried. They heard me teach, just like this. And he sat somewhere and said, Lord, give my mother a visa. The woman went to the embassy and they gave her the visa. He called me and told me, this is a testimony. I heard you teach on the anatomy of prayer. You said, just talk to the Lord sincerely. And I went to the Lord. I said, Lord, I'd like to see my mother. And that's it. And that's it. 
Lay that burden before the Lord today. I need a better house. Simple. Please forget all this picture on the wall. Seed you are sowing. Go to God for help. He knows more about you than you know about yourself. He has better plans for you than you can plan for yourself. He just wants to remove the worries from your heart. Remove the worries. There are many people that say, God, I need a visa to go abroad. God says, is it the visa you need or are you actually looking for prosperity? Why don't you pray the prayer of Jabez? And I will cause prosperity to flow towards you like a river. And the wealth of the nations like an overflowing stream. That's my scripture. Isaiah 66 verse 12. He said, I will do that for you. I will do that for you. You have a business that's not doing well. Say, Lord, help me with my business. I know someone would like to say, I declare. I have 6,000 customers. I declare. I declare. I declare. Because you don't declare. You are not tired. There are businesses that want to close. You are declaring. But if you come to God and say, Lord, help me. My business is not doing well. The least we may speak to you say, shut it down over the next one week. I have something coming over the next one month for you. He does that. He solves problems. Why don't you pray like Jabez? Instead of saying, Lord, give me a visa. Give me. Just pray like Jabez. Jabez said, oh, that you will bless me indeed. Oh, such a simple prayer. Such a simple prayer. He said, oh, that you will bless me indeed. And make my name great. He said, enlarge my border. That your hand may be with me. And that you will keep me from harm. So that harm will not come to me. And the Bible says, and God granted him what he requested. Oh, God answers prayer. So you know what he said to David? <laughs> he said, I did this for you. You were a shepherd. You were nothing in your own eyes. I lifted you up. I gave you your father's, uh, your master's house. Now this is part of it I like most. He said, if you had wanted more, I would have given it to you. Hey! Man, the day I discovered that scripture. He said, if you had wanted more, if you had just wanted more, uh-uh, that all David needed to do was ask for more. Even things that God really didn't, really, it's not his favorite thing to give people. He told him, if you wanted more wives, can you imagine that? He said, if you had wanted more, I would have given you. I would have given you. That is God answers prayers. I like the testimony Ken Higgin gave. He said all his life he just had this feeling that his wife was going to die young. That those days, those early days. And then one day he said to the Lord, I don't want her to die. He had a vision. I like her. She's been a good partner, you know, for me, especially in ministry. He said, Lord, grant her life. And the Lord said, no problem. And that was all. He said, just because you asked me, dare to ask God for something this evening. Ask him for something this evening. Ask him. Just because you asked me. Jesus said, the father himself loves you. He said, the father himself loves you. The father himself loves you. He said, just because you asked me. Commit that body into the hands of the Lord. I like the way Paul said it. He said, don't have any anxiety about anything. But with prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And as a result, he said, the peace of God that passes all understanding. Saying everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. 
let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God which passes all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I begin to receive that peace right now. Receive that peace. Receive that peace. Receive that peace. Say, Lord, thank you. Begin to give thanks. He has heard you. The Father loves you more than he loves the birds of the air. He cares more for you than he cares for the flowers of the field. Begin to receive that thing right now. The peace of God is the first thing he gives to you. Suddenly you're not worried anymore. Worry is banished out of your life right now. Fear is banished. Fear is banished. Anxiety dies. Anxiety dies. <laughs> you have freedom. Joy in the Holy Ghost. Joy in the Holy Spirit. Joy in the Holy Spirit. I remember that time we waited to get married. I was saving every money I had. I mean, wedding preparation was going on. Until God gave me that understanding. Don't worry about it. I began to give. I told her, giving is not like I'm trying to sow a seed. Worry left my heart. So the money I was saving up, I could not share it. I wasn't just trying to sow a seed. I could not share. It's that ability to share that came out of the fact that I was no longer worried. Worry will die in your life. Worry. Worry. It's dead right now. We, in agreement, we banish worry. Begin to give a lot of thanks. He has heard you. Begin to give him thanks. Say, Lord, thank you. Thank you. And there is nothing that he can do. He say, I'm the God of all flesh. Is there anything too difficult for me? No word of God will be void of power. I am the God of all flesh. Is there anything too difficult for me? Begin to give him thanks because nothing is too difficult for him. <laughs> I like that song we used to sing. Say, our Lord God, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thy great power. He said, nothing is too difficult for you. Great and mighty God. Great in counsel and mighty indeed. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Nothing is, no, is too difficult for you. Oh, give the Lord thanks. I want to, let's just, let's go into thanksgiving mode. Let's begin to give the Lord thanks. Give him thanks. Give him thanks. Give him thanks. Give him thanks. Let's give the Lord thanks for answering our prayers. Please let thanksgiving arise truly from your hearts. You made your request and indeed there's an assurance that the Lord had. So let's give him thanks. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this assurance again. You know, sometimes the things that sound so, that look so simple, are the things that we have complicated in our hearts. And the Lord just wants us to come in that simplicity that he has, you know, given us. So let's thank the Lord and say, Lord, we are grateful. Oh, Lord, we thank you for that assurance that you are just waiting for us to ask in faith. And Lord, we thank you. We give you praise. Thank you for healings. Thank you, Lord, for supplies. Thank you, Lord, for clarity. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for various things that you're doing in the lives of your people right now. Thank you, Lord, for that person that prayed for her family. Thank you, Lord, for peace that has visited that family. Thank you, Lord, for that family again will experience the peace of God. Thank you, Lord, for that person that prayed for the sister who is sick. Lord, we thank you, Lord, because indeed the, that lady has already experienced her healing. We thank you, Lord, for various things you have done this evening. Blessed be your name, Lord Jesus. For your word, again, we thank you. For assurance, we thank you. We give you praise forever. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord.
Praise the name of Jesus. All right, that is good. And let's share the grace together. One, two, let's go. Because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of multiplication, dominion, and manifestation. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Quickly bless two people beside you. Tell somebody it's your season.